Today on the Matt Wall Show, Trump supporters are ruthlessly attacked while peacefully rallying over the weekend. Once again, the left brings violence and mayhem with them everywhere they go. The dividing line between good and evil in our culture couldn't possibly be clearer than it is right now. Also, five headlines, including Dr. Fauci's declaration that masks and social distancing may still be necessary even after a vaccine, plus our daily cancellation and much more. All of that on the way. But first, a word from our friends over at LifeLock. You know, it's really important. We all spend so much time uh, online. Some of us spend way too much time online, or at least my wife tells me that about, that about myself. But that's why when you're online, you got to protect your online data. Cyber criminals often hide malware and emails. Uh, these deceptive emails can look like real invoices, invites, payment information with a document attached. And they're getting very creative with this um, and, and, and very convincing. Some of, these, some of these scam emails can, even if you're a savvy, you know, internet user, um, you can still be fooled by some of this stuff. And this is why you got to really pay attention and protect yourself. The attachments can contain text and images that look legitimate, but when clicked on, a pop-up can appear prompting you to click enable content or enable editing. But if you do this, the attachment will install malware on your computer and you don't want that. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. This holiday season, you know, you could miss certain identity threats if you're just monitoring your credit or your bank statements. Those are the kind of things we can all do on our own. But LifeLock can do a lot more than that. And that's why you need LifeLock to lead and help in identity theft protection. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information, has been used in the network, uh, they'll send you an alert and they'll help you get everything straightened out. You gotta just make sure if you're online that you're protecting yourself. It's very easy. These scumbags online who steal identities, you know, they're, they're very good at it, so you gotta make sure to protect yourself. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help you feel warm and protected this holiday season, which is what we all want. So save up to 25% off your first year at lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. Well, over the weekend, thousands of Trump supporters rallied in Washington, D.C. They were there in the city for much of the day, thousands upon thousands of right-wingers, Trump supporters. The dreaded Proud Boys were in attendance as well. I'm sure there were even some QAnon proponents on the scene, I'm assuming. The point is, all of the great villains of society, according to the media, all of the most brutal and extreme people, according to the media, the people who are somehow responsible for the violence and rioting that happens at left-wing protests, according to the media. And yet all day these groups marched, rallied, conveyed their message, and there was no violence, no anarchy, no crime, nothing was burned, no businesses looted. Imagine that. But here's the, where the coincidence gets really crazy. The violence started as soon as BLM and Antifa showed up. It's almost like the left brings violence with it everywhere it goes. Sorry, not almost like. That, that is the case. Rioting, looting, chaos, political violence, this is all, nearly 100% of the time, a tool of the left, exclusively. Now, you aren't going to see uh, some of this footage in the mass media, if that's where you get most of your news. Uh, so let's play some of it here. I, I can't play it all, so it's really a matter of choosing which documented instances of evil leftist insanity we're going to focus on right now. Uh, we'll start with this. Here we have BLM and Antifa harassing a group of Trump supporters who were eating dinner after the rally. And you'll see them chucking random projectiles at the diners, and then they move on to fireworks. Let's see what that looks like.
Now, it seems to me that throwing fireworks is attempted murder. Now, you could kill someone doing that or at least seriously maim them, maim them. If we had law and order in this country, I mean actual law and order instead of just shows called law and order and tweets that say law and order in all caps, uh, the people who did that would have been hauled away in cuffs and would right now be facing 20 years in prison. That's the kind of thing, if you do it, your life should be ruined. We need life-ruining consequences for people who assault and attack innocent bystanders, people who engage in political violence, otherwise known as terrorism. But instead, these low-life dirtbags are allowed to go home after their terrorism spree, play some video games, eat the Lunchables their mom stocked in the fridge, sleep in, go out the next night, do it all again. The difference between revolutionaries of the past and these so-called revolutionaries is that the latter, first of all, have no real cause except their own empty nihilism and hatred of everything that's good and true in the world. And second, there are no stakes for them. They risk nothing. They put nothing on the line. They have no skin in the game because nobody's holding them accountable. Now, in this next uh, piece of footage, we have a girl being accosted as she tries to escape to safety, trying to get through the crowd. She's trembling and crying while her leftist harassers pursue her. Watch this and let me know if you can tell who the bad guys are here. Is the bad guy, good guy divide hard to discern in this situation? Is there any gray area here? You tell me. You know, it's pretty clear when you're screaming at a sobbing woman as she tries to get away from you, you're the bad guy. That's a pretty safe rule of thumb, something you could take with you in everyday life. If you ever find yourself screaming and cussing at a trembling woman as she clings to a man and tries to get away from you, there is a very, very, very good chance that you are a horrible scumbag. Also, another tip, you might consider the possibility that you're a scumbag if you ever find yourself pushing an old man off his bike and pouring water on him, as happened here. That's go time. Or, you know, if you're harassing an elderly couple because you don't like their politics. Yo, 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 did you go shoes tonight? Did you go shoes tonight? I can't save these 
This again is one-sided. Okay, the dividing line between right and wrong in our current culture war is perhaps clearer now than it's ever been. Only one side loots and riots. Only one side harasses the elderly. Only one side rips down statues. Almost all the political violence is on one side. And that also happens to be the side that believes in killing babies and injecting hormones into children. This is not a dispute between simply competing political viewpoints. This is not a mere battle of ideas. This is good versus evil. Nothing less than that. And let's not ever forget that point. And this brings us to something else, another important point. Many conservatives have pointed out that Democrats say they want unity, even while doing everything we just saw in those clips. It's clear they don't really want unity. And it's important to make that observation, yes. But to be fair, and also to be clear, I don't want unity either. I don't want to unite with people who, who harass and assault the elderly. I don't want to unite with BLM or anyone who supports it. I don't want unity with Antifa, even if it was possible, which it isn't. I don't desire unity with infanticidal maniacs or child-abusing scumbags. They don't want unity with me, and that's fine, because I don't want it with them. Let's not act like our feelings are hurt because they don't want to be our friends. And that's how it comes across sometimes. When we say, oh, you don't really want unity, why won't you be our friends? I don't want to be their friends. Speaking for myself, that's, that's just not the dynamic here. They're screaming F you at me and all of us. And my response is right back at you. So where does that leave us? If the divisions are, are so deep that the people on either side of it don't even want to bridge the gap, even in theory, how can we go on? How can we have a functioning society, a real country? How can we be a people rather than just people? The answer is obvious, but nobody wants to admit it or say it out loud. And it's this, we can't. We can't be a real country. We, we can't be a people. We can't function together as a whole. Not like this. In order for that to happen, one side or the other would have to surrender, would have to give up what defines it, would have to stop being what the other side despises. Short of that, the differences are, as divorce attorneys say, irreconcilable. Is that then where we're headed, to a, to a national divorce of sorts? Now, I don't know. Part of me thinks that's inevitable. The other part of me thinks we don't have it in us, that we'll be fine to just coast along like this as a shell of a country, hating each other, but living together for convenience like Bill and Hillary. Perhaps the, the internet and, and streaming and video games all enable us to retreat into virtual worlds and false realities so that the untenable nature of our actual reality continues to seem somewhat tenable. Maybe that's where this goes, namely nowhere in circles. I'm not sure what the distant, distant, future holds. But as for the near future, what I will say is this. Um, these BLM and Antifa militants, you know, what they really want to do is they want to punish conservatives for voting for Trump. The goal is to make sure that we never have the audacity to vote for a big, scary bully like Trump ever again. But the, the dirty little secret is that Trump is not a big, scary bully. He never was. And so I hope that in 2024, we actually go and find that guy. Go find the big, scary bully. Go find the guy who is what the left thinks Trump is and elect him, the real deal. I already know what his campaign slogan should be. Let's give them something to cry about. I'd vote for that guy. Might seem a tad aggressive, but the point is, I don't intend to give one inch to these people. I don't intend to concede one point. There will not be unity. I know that. And so there's nothing to be gained from making concessions. 
All we can do now is charge ahead and let the chips fall where they may. Let's get to our five headlines. Okay, so starting here, uh, Dr. Fauci was on CNN yesterday, and, and he wanted to make sure to throw some cold water on any embers of hope that anyone might have. You can't have any hope. No hope is allowed. So here's how that went. Now, you've already encouraged Americans to consider canceling any Thanksgiving plans that involve visiting with somebody else or having visitors come. I know a lot of Americans are looking ahead, hoping to make plans for other holidays, such as Christmas. But when do you think Americans will next be able to, to safely gather together uh, for family events like this? Are, are you suggesting it probably won't be able to happen until, I don't know, Labor Day 2021, Thanksgiving 2021? Now, if I could just jump in here for a second, Jake, uh, if I could briefly, and uh, I know you weren't asking me the question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Let me say that Americans can gather with their families right now. Uh, there's no need to wait until Labor Day or, you know, Christmas 2021. I've been gathering with my family ever since this all began. We had a big family reunion in, in June. I hate to admit it. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if the feds are going to be busting that down my door now, but that's, that's what we did. We've gotten together plenty since then. We've had some kids' birthdays and other events. Everybody was fine. Nobody got sick. Nobody died. Uh, nobody even had a, a case of the sniffles afterwards. So my point is you can get together now if you want to take charge of your own life, make your own decisions, uh, be an adult, be an American. You could do that. So that, that's my response to that. But here's Fauci's response. You know, it depends on a number of factors, Jake. For example... We have vaccines now. The first one that came out was highly effective. I anticipate that the second one likely will be comparable. You never can tell until you see the data, but would be comparable. That's great, but we have to get people to take the vaccine. So if we get the overwhelming majority of people taking the vaccine and you have on the one hand an effective vaccine, on the other hand, a high degree of uptake of the vaccine, we could start getting things back to relative normal as we get into the second and third quarter of the year, where people can start thinking about doing things that were too dangerous just months ago. But we've got to put all those things together, Jake. We can't just wish it happening. We've got to get the vaccine. It's got to be deployed. And we can't abandon fundamental public health measures. You can approach a degree of normality while still doing some fundamental public health things that synergize with the vaccine to get us back to normal. So not until the second or third quarter of 2021, though. Christmas is probably not going to be possible. Yeah, I'm... Okay, so we have two things there. First of all, we have a Christmas is not going to be possible from Jake Tapper. And, and the thing is, he, he said that yesterday, and that this clip went, went viral on Twitter uh, with people accusing... Jake Tapper of saying that essentially we have to cancel Christmas, or at least with our families, you can't get together with Chris, for, for Christmas with your families. And the spin from uh, people trying to defend Jake Tapper is that, no, no, he, did, he didn't say that. He was, he, what he was trying to say is that um, it's not going to be possible to have a vaccine by Christmas. Well, no, you heard it right there. That's not what he was saying. He said, Christmas is not going to be possible. Can't, we can't do Christmas. That's what he said. It was right there in the clip. You heard it for yourself. Uh, but again, Jake Tapper doesn't get to cancel Christmas. Dr. Fauci doesn't get to cancel it. The governor of your state, wherever you live, cannot cancel it. They can try, and they are trying, but they can't actually do it. 
what needs to happen here is we, we call their bluff. And, and I think that's what people should have been doing all along. But especially when it comes to these limits on the numbers of people you can have in your own home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or just in general, call their bluff. Go ahead. If you live up in New York, you know, you have as many people as you want over for Thanksgiving. If, if, if Andrew Cuomo really wants to send police busting down your door to, to cart your in-laws away, which part of that, frankly, seems a little bit appealing. But if he really wants to do that, you know, maybe it's kind of a win-win. Uh, you know, on one side, your in-laws get arrested. On the other side of it as well, uh, it, you know, I, maybe that will be the thing that finally wakes up the American population. I don't know. So we have that. We also have Fauci saying that even with the vaccine, we still are going to have to uh, have masks and social distancing and all these, all these so-called protective measures. So let's follow the trajectory here with the masks. First, they said, if, if, if we try to remember in our heads, um, originally they said, don't wear a mask. Now, remember, they didn't just say, don't wear a mask. They said, essentially, if you wear a mask, you're a moron. Remember those tweets from the Surgeon General screaming at people, seriously, stop wearing masks, you morons. He didn't say morons, but that was the tone of it. So originally it was don't wear a mask. And then it was, well, probably you should wear a mask when you're out in public. Um, you know, uh, or, you know, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're out in a store or something and there's strangers around, probably you should wear a mask. And then it was, yeah, probably you should wear a mask outside too. And then it was, well, you should just wear masks all the time. And now they're saying, uh, yeah, you should wear masks even with your, when you're with your own family for Thanksgiving. And, oh, yeah, we should probably, actually, we're going to wear masks even after the vaccine. And we're just going to wear masks forever. Pretty soon it'll be, after you die, you wear a mask in the grave because you can never be too careful. Uh, number two, staying on this, on this theme here, Washington State is going into full lockdown again. In fact, a number of states are. Uh, this, this was the re most recent one announced. This in Michigan. So here's the governor of Washington introducing the rehashed measures that didn't work the first time, so let's try them again. So the restrictions we're announcing today, which will be in effect through December 14th, are not as comprehensive or to some degree tough as our stay-home order in March. But every part of our state will see rollbacks in some sense. Most will take effect at, the, at uh, midnight Monday. This is not forever. This is only for now. Thanks to the brilliance of our medical community, a vaccine is on the way. We need to hold this pandemic down until the Calvary arrives. This is a temporary situation in our state where we seek a permanent healthy condition. And our goal is to keep the most people alive as possible until the vaccine and other therapeutic measures arrives. And that's a task I believe Washington is up to. So here are some parts of our plan. Uh, indoor social gatherings with people from outside your home are prohibited unless they quarantine for 14 days prior to the social gathering or quarantine for the seven days prior to the gathering and receive a negative COVID-19 test result no more than 48 hours prior to the gathering. And they've got a, they released a whole list of, of what the restrictions are. And um, I'm looking at it right here. Uh, just, it's a, it's a lengthy list. Indoor social gatherings uh, with people from outside your household are prohibited unless they quarantine for 14 days. Um, so they're, they're saying it doesn't, there's not even a limit. It's just you can't, you can't do it, period, unless they quarantine for, for, for 14 days beforehand. Um, 
Outdoor social gatherings shall be limited to five people from outside your household. Restaurants and bars are closed for indoor dine-in service. Because, you know, these, these uh, governors, they didn't succeed in completely killing their economies and, and, and completely destroying. I mean, they decimated the restaurant industry, but they didn't completely destroy it. Now they're going back around for the kill shot. That's what's happening here. Um, gyms and fitness facilities are closed. Um, movie theaters are closed. This is the kind of thing, this, this is just, just completely egregious and, and, and flagrant. Why close movie theaters? There's just no reason to close them. You, you could very easily socially distance in a, in, a, in, a, in a movie theater. A movie theater would be one of the easiest things to keep open. Because you can easily control the number of people who come in. You spread them out. No problem. It would be very easy to do. They closed bowling alleys. Bowling alleys are closed. Again, no reason for that. It'd be extremely just spread out. I mean, when, when's the last time you've been in a bowling alley that was completely packed anyway? Maybe have people wear their own shoes in case you're wondering about COVID on the shoes. I don't know. There's, there's just so many really basic things we could do without shutting down these industries. But these governors, almost all of them Democrats, are saying, yeah, forget that. We'll just, we'll just destroy the industry. Why not? Uh, number three, a report here from The Blaze says actress Melissa McCarthy, known for her roles in comedic films, caved to the outrage mob last week after she was attacked online for donating money to an organization dedicated to ending human sex trafficking. So she's apologizing for giving money to a charity against human sacrificing. All right. Um, so the, she's uh, a part of a promotion for the new movie Super Intelligence. McCarthy teamed up with HBO Max for 20 Days of Kindness, which is a campaign donating $20,000 to 20 different charities over the course of 20 days. So far, so good. Included on the list was Exodus Cry, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to eradicating sex trafficking. Um, But the Daily Beast got wind of this, and they did a hit piece on Exodus Cry. And here's what they said. This is from the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast's uh, tarply hit exclusively reported on Thursday that Exodus Cry frames itself as an anti-sex trafficking group, but in reality works to abolish sex work entirely. Oh, the horror. Its founder, Benjamin Nolat, has called abortion a holocaust and homosexuality an unspeakable offense to God. The group has spent years lobbying to criminalize the purchase of sex and uh, recently launched a campaign to shutter porn up. They sound like a great, this is the first time I've heard of Exodus Cry, but I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be donating to them. I'm going to make a handsome donation to Exodus Cry. Sound great to me. Uh, so that's the great offense, though. They, they not only try to rescue women from sex trafficking, but they also oppose the industries that depend on sex trafficking and that drive sex trafficking. So they want to bail the water out of the boat and plug the leak. Well, that's, that's horrible. That's bigoted. It's better to keep bailing the Titanic out with little mop buckets and thimbles while leaving the iceberg-sized gash in the hull. Because that's, that's on the left, when they talk about battling sex trafficking, that's what they want to do. Because as far as the industries that keep this going, that depend on it, fund it, push it, um, uh, fuel it, they don't want to do anything with those industries. And so Melissa McCarthy, anyway, brave woman that she is, um, she got a little bit of a pushback and, uh, and decided to take the money back, and she issued this groveling apology. 
Hi there. Um, it has come to our attention that our 20 days of kindness, which is something, a kindness hub that we started to kind of shed the light on 20 great charities, had one um, in there that there's no other way to say it. We blew it. We made a mistake and we backed a charity that upon proper vetting stands for everything that we do not. Um, so I want to thank everyone um, on social media who said, what are you doing? Are you sure you want to back this? Because the answer is no, we do not. We have pulled it. We are so incredibly grateful for you ringing the bell and helping us be better. Uh, we're sorry for our mistake. Oh boy, are we sorry for it. Can't believe that we missed it. Um, and that's it. And I just... Uh, I wanna say I hope it doesn't ding the other charities because they're really doing some amazing things and 20 Days of Kindness uh, is really meant to shine the light on um, all of those wonderful charities. So let the kindness continue and uh, thank you. Thanks for the help, we really needed it. Just a picture of courage there, that Melissa McCarthy, isn't she? I mean, th just think about this. You, sh she could have easily ignored this. She could have taken that route, just ignore it. It, it'll go away. People aren't people aren't that focused on it. Or she could have done the right thing and come out and said, "Hey, listen, th this is a good organization. They're fighting sex trafficking. I don't agree with all their views, but but they're they're doing they're doing an important service. And um and you know if they're against, if they're against Pornhub while at the same time saving women from sex trafficking, that's a trade I'm willing to make. She could have done that, and she she risks nothing. But nothing. Speaking of putting nothing on the line, having no stakes. What what? You know, if she were to stand up against the outrage mob, what happens to her? What, what's the worst case scenario? That her super intelligence movie flops? It was going to flop anyway. All of her movies flop. Um, but she's still a multimillionaire. She'll still get work. So that's, that's why it can be so demoralizing when you see these people on the, on the public stage who are massively wealthy and they've got so many fans and everything and they cave so quickly to the outrage mob because for them, it should be the easiest to stand against it. Think about Drew Brees, another, another perfect example. You know, decide, he, 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 for, for a moment, he stood up for, the literally, for the anthem and for police. Got a little bit of pushback and said, oh, never mind, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for supporting the flag and, and supporting police. Uh, you're right. I, I, you know what? I am going to take the side of, uh, of, of, you know, convicted criminals and, and, uh, instead, instead of the police. What was the worst case scenario for him if he stood up against the outrage mob? What, what happens to him? Even if he gets cut from the team, which was never going to happen because he's Drew Brees, for God's sake. But even if he did, he's still, he's still rich and wealthy. He's still, still set for life. He can do whatever he wants. But if these people who have everything won't stand up, when they, when, when they really risk nothing, if they won't stand up against it, what about people who don't have that kind of security? That's why it's so demoralizing. Um, okay, let's go to number four. This is from the Daily Wire. It says, not content to ban smoking in public, San Francisco is now considering a ban on smoking in one's own home should they live in an apartment. Uh, Reason reported that the city's board of supervisors are considering the bill and voted last Thursday to advance it. The bill would ban smoking inside private dwellings located in apartments with three or more units, according to the outlet. The bill wouldn't apply to just tobacco products with known secondhand concerns, it would also ban marijuana and even vaping in the private dwellings. Uh, the San Francisco Examiner uh, reported saying the bill sponsored, bill sponsor supervisor um, Norman Yeh said in a tweet that the goal of the bill was to help residents avoid being exposed to secondhand smoke in their own homes. 
He says, smoke easily moves between units and buildings. Now that more of us work from home, it's more important than ever because there is no way to contain it. By the way, there's no evidence whatsoever that if your neighbor smokes, it's somehow going to give you cancer. No evidence of that. There just isn't. Um, but we, I think it's not a coincidence here. I don't see this as a coincidence that on one hand, you've got these COVID restrictions and state governments assuming they have the right and the power to tell you how many people you can have in your own home. And now you get a smoking ban in private residences. You know, it's, we're setting a precedent with the COVID restrictions and it's not going to be contained just to that. I think we've already seen that. And the precedent is the government can tell you what you can do in your own home. Um, and this is, there, there, there are going to be consequences to that. We have seen this over and over again with, with the government. I mean, th- throughout human history, when you give the government, when you submit to that, to the government and give it a certain power, it's not just going to give it back. And, and always, it always, it always, well, we, we need the power just in emergency situation here. We just need it for now. Give us this power and, and we, we, but we'll give it up once the, once the emergency passes. And time and time again, of course, the public says, well, okay, if you say so. You never lied to us before, except every other time. So that's the way this is going to go. Number five, finally, um, if if Joe Biden is going to be president, then I think we found the anthem for the next four years. This, I think, um, I I think we could say at least this is the best pro-Biden song ever written. Though, of course, the bar is so low that it's, you know, somewhere down near the core of the earth at this point. But anyway, uh, here's the song. Listen. I can't believe it. All my dreams came true. America voted and the country turned blue. We wanted Joe Biden. For the next four years, we wanted Kamala, and now there's no need to fear. And who's commander in chief? Joe Biden, the one that Trump can't defeat. Joe Biden, who can fix the economy? Joe Biden, Joe Biden baby. Joe Biden. Yeah, the secondhand embarrassment is so intense watching that, that you feel like you're suffering actual physical trauma while you watch it. And I, I just, I, 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 what, I'm, what I'm wondering is whose idea was that? I assume it was the guy's idea because he's the lead singer. So the guy went up to his girlfriend or, or his wife or whoever, maybe his Uber passenger, I don't know, and said, hey, babe, I wrote this, uh, this sexy Joe Biden song. What do you say we hop in the front seat and sing it together? And the crazy thing is that she said yes to that. Maybe she didn't ask to hear it ahead of time. That's what I'm thinking. So she's sitting there listening and experiencing the same horror we are, but she's on camera. She can't show it. The show must go on. Suddenly this has become a story of great courage and selflessness on the part of the woman. And that's, that's how I choose to see it in an inspiring way. All right. Um, Speaking of inspiring, we're going to get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But before we do, 
you know, we're talking about the these shutdowns, which are ramping up again in many states. Uh, schools are being shut down again. A lot of schools have been shut down the whole time. We're doing remote learning and everything. And the point is that many parents across the country, millions of, of new parents are considering homeschooling. And they're realizing that, you know, homeschooling is a great option, especially now, but even going forward to take charge of your child's education, um, to put yourself in charge of your child's education. That's a great idea. So if you're a parent who homeschools or, or, or wants to homeschool, but you're feeling overwhelmed with all the work and responsibilities that are on your shoulders right now, you know, we're a homeschool family and, uh, and you know, we can tell you that's, that's how it is. Of course, my wife does most of the homeschooling. And uh, so she especially could tell you what a, what a struggle it can be and how overwhelming it can feel when you are in charge of your child's education. And for parents with kids in school, you know, if you've, if you've avoided the need to pull your student out of the public school system because it just seems too daunting to homeschool them this, this year yourself, well, homeschool magnet is for parents just like you. Whatever category you're in, it's, a parent, it's for parents just like you. Homeschool Magnet supports homeschooling families by providing students with instruction from world-class credential teachers in a remote classroom with their peers. Parents can choose the best teachers for each student based on the values and teaching approach to ensure that every child is, is receiving exactly the education they desire. And I think that's so important that they're letting you choose teachers uh, based not just on, on the subject and the education style, but also on the values. Because that's part of education. You know, let's, let's face it, part of education is instilling values into a child. Uh, and rather than pretending that education can be objective and that you can separate values from education, rather than pretending, because that's just not the case, we need to embrace that. Homeschooling is about embracing that. Um, and that's what Homeschool Magnet is all about. Each student will receive instruction in the four core subject areas of math, English language, arts, uh, English language arts, science, and social studies. Other online schools exist, of course, but Homeschool Magnet is unique. Even though Homeschool Magnet includes a robust online learning environment, each student works from real physical learning materials guided by video instruction from their teacher. So there is that physical element to it, which is really important. Homeschool Magnet is only a fraction of the cost of private schools, and the 30-day money-back guarantee upon enrollment means this choice is risk-free. You might as well give it a shot. Uh, and I can tell you again, as a homeschool family, I couldn't recommend it enough. To learn more about Homeschool Magnet's student experience, go to homeschoolmagnet.com and join the growing wait list, wait list for interested teachers who want more freedom in their teaching career. Homeschool Magnet may also be perfect for you. So we're recruiting new teachers now. Go to homeschoolmagnet.com slash Matt to learn more and apply now. Okay, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today, we reflect on the state of the culture from the perspective of a Christian who confronts it. We find that basic truths have been turned into heresies. Objective reality and moral decency are anathema. The family is under assault. Children are under assault. Masculinity and femininity are under assault. And from the standpoint of religion, church attendance is dwindling. America is becoming more atheist, more secular by the day. But on top of all of this, the, un the unprecedented assault on religious liberty currently underway. Churches being shut down, congregations banned from singing or worshiping in large groups. And these restrictions look to be getting tighter again across the country. I mean, this year, we have actually seen pastors arrested and hauled off to jail for holding church services. That is happening in this country. Congregants fined for attending those services. And there is no sign of any of this getting any better anytime soon. But have no fear. The United States bishops are here. Uh, this week begins their General Assembly. They're, of course, all virtual General Assembly. And there's quite a lot for these bishops to discuss, to put it mildly. 
Uh, for Catholics, after all, these are supposed to be our, our field generals, our leaders on the cultural battlefield. One would hope that they you know, are going into this meeting with fire in their bellies, adrenaline in their veins, ready to conquer the darkness like modern-day conquistadors, like Cortez charging into an Aztec city, burning its temple of human sacrifice to the ground. That's what you would hope if you've been living in a, in a cave since, well, around the time of Cortez. It may be what you would hope and expect. And if so, by the way, you, you picked the wrong century to emerge from hiding because this is not a time for warrior bishops, at least not in the West. And that's why heading into the General Assembly, rather than standing up against persecution or shining light in the darkness or fighting evil, the bishops are talking about Baby Yoda. Yes, Baby Yoda. Here's, here's the tweet that went out from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops Twitter account. It says, we meet tomorrow for our first ever all-virtual General Assembly. How many Baby Yoda gifts do you think we'll post during the conference? And then there's a poll, a little fun poll you could participate in, and you could vote more than five or less than five. Now, this provoked some understandable confusion, and people were asking why the bishops are tweeting about Baby Yoda, and they explained later in the thread, they said, we started posting them at our meeting last year. They had just started to be widely shared online. You know the joke has gone poorly when it has to be explained? And of course, the bishops sound like massive nerds explaining it. Yes, we posted the graphics interchange format of a popular Star Wars character. It was quite humorous spectacle. It even caused some of us to, as they say, LOL. Now, I know it may seem like I'm unfairly giving the bishops a hard time here. All they did was tweet about Baby Yoda. What's the big deal? Well, the problem is that this is very much a part of a larger trend, a trend prevalent in the Western church generally, not just Catholic, but across the board. Church leaders make themselves irrelevant by focusing on frivolous nonsense while ignoring the great battle that wages around them. Now, you could tolerate somebody cracking jokes on the battlefield if they were kicking ass and taking names as they did it, and if the jokes were good. But neither of those apply to the bishops or to most church leaders. And that's the problem. You could maybe tolerate the lack of seriousness, the flippancy, the frivolity, if it was effective, if it was appealing, if it, has, if it had the supposed desired effect of appealing to the wayward youth, etc. But it's not, and it doesn't. I am reminded here, and, and I could give so many similar examples, but I'm reminded of a sermon I once heard um, not long ago at a, at a church based around the movie Toy Story. And the point of the sermon, the message, from what I remember, was that friendship is important. You know, because Woody and Buzz got off to a rocky start, but they discovered the power of friendship, and it took them to infinity and beyond. I can't remember if that line was actually in the sermon, but it, it could have been. That was, that was the theme. I, I'm also made to remember uh, here a, a Christian, uh, or rather a Christmas sermon that I heard a couple years ago uh, based around the Grinch who stole Christmas. Now, you might think that if you're looking for a relevant Christmas story to base your homily around, you might choose, you know, the Christmas story, the nativity. But no, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Because the, the priest wanted to be relevant and hip. And because he had the cultural knowledge of my 95-year-old grandmother. So he thought the Grinch was the best way that he could accomplish that. This has long been the story in the Western church. Irrelevance, lack of seriousness, outdated pop culture references, bad jokes, all in the name of appealing to the youth. 
But the youth are not impressed because they hunger for something deep and real and true and relevant, not baby Yoda gifts. So the bishops are canceled. Baby Yoda is also canceled. Guilt by association. That's how it goes with the daily cancellation. I'm sorry, Yoda. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Leftist militants attack Trump supporters in D.C., liberal elites violate all their own lockdown rules, and Target tries to trans the kids. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 